Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be a fun episode with my friend Phil Kramer of Kramer Hunts on Instagram. Uh, Before we get to this episode, guys, I wanted to thank the sponsors. The guys that make this podcast possible allows me to spend as much time as I do on the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. I want to thank Cody Nelson, who's the optics manager. I call him the glassing guru. He is the optics authority over at GoHunt.com gear shop. He's the manager over there. Give Cody a call if you guys are interested in any optics, whether it be binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, tripods, anything to do with glassing. If you just want to talk glassing techniques, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call. 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. Or you can email him directly at optics at gohunt.com. You can also call him on his cell phone, 602-399-3699, or send him a text. He's very good about answering the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners. Uh, give Cody a call if you're looking for any optics. I also want to thank Go Hunt Insider. Remind you guys that you're going to get a $50 Go Hunt Gear Shop gift card just for signing up. Go to gohunt.com forward slash J. Scott. Uh, Also, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Kuyu uh, just announced uh, its Velo camo pattern. It's the new third pattern. I actually have the Velo Tiburon shorts on as we speak. I've been getting a handful. I got some last week and the week before, or excuse me, and then just a couple days ago, uh, some more Velo camo from Kuyu. Uh, go to Kuyu, that's K-U-I-U.com to find out more. You can order anything off right off the website. They're a direct-to-consumer model. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. And I want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code to get 10% discount on all orders. Guys, let's get right to this episode with Phil Kramer. If you don't follow him, I suggest you do. It's Kramer with a C, Kramer Hunts on Instagram. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I've got my friend Phil Kramer, Kramer Hunts on Instagram. Phil, how you doing? I'm doing real good, Jay. Real good. How about yourself, buddy? Good. I've been up here in Colorado since the Gould's turkey hunt. The last time I saw you, uh, you were able to go down to Mexico with me and, and complete your uh, Royal Slam. And then you finished that or topped that off should we say with your arizona which you thought was going to complete your royal slam with a triple bearded giant gould's turkey so congratulations oh thank you thank you yeah you and i had a great trip um i i just couldn't wait on filling that royal slam so you and i got to do it together and then just a phenomenal hunt in arizona and and lucked out and killed a giant bird i mean i just i couldn't believe it when uh when i really got to looking at him and saw those three beards i was just ecstatic when you turned out really good when you were calling him in or working him and he was on his way did you see multiple beards or just see a beard at all or how how did it go down so i saw he had a perfect fan and as you know i mean on gould's that big white tipped fan is is kind of where it's at and he was coming in i didn't have time to set up decoys so he got out there about that 50 60 yard range and started to kind of skirt me and at that time i could see he had a really good beard and then he turned sideways and i was able to draw him in closer and then I saw where it looked like he had two. I wasn't 100% sure. Um, but when I pulled the trigger, I, I did not know for sure he had uh, multiple beards and definitely didn't know he had three until I got up on him. Unbelievable. And, uh, I mean, a bird of that caliber with three beards, I mean, that's got to be 
a record, you know, maybe even a state record type bird, isn't it? And for the birds that people register, now I understand a lot of people, you know, kill turkeys and don't register them with the NWTF. However, uh, out of curiosity, I looked um, just the other day, and unless someone registers a new bird, uh, that will put the number one Gould's atypical turkey for the state of Arizona. So pretty, <laughs> awesome. pretty neat. Phenomenal. In a mountain range or close close by where you grew up it's got to be pretty neat to um to be able to complete that there and and oh for Arizona sure bird down yep and in a mountain range that i've spent a lot of time and going from seeing very few turkeys and then watching through the arizona game and fish efforts you know of uh, uh getting the goulds reestablished, how the population have taken off and uh, you know i had some really good friends there with me at the time and brought back a lot of memories of hunting with my dad and daughter there. Just couldn't have scripted it any better. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Well, buddy, um, I wanted to talk to you today about uh, coos deer and in Mexico, um, as well as Arizona, but in Mexico, um, you've got uh, unique opportunities uh, that you've been hunting down there where you're hunting more of a uh desert style ranches and we've had several podcasts where we've you know compared mountain ranches and desert ranches and you know talked all about that but one of the exciting things in you know knowing you and and getting to talk to you that i thought it would make a great podcast is just the opportunity after coming off last year that was an extremely wet year kind of a almost an anomaly year in the desert i had several things happened where um a lot of the water tanks deer were spread out all over there was feed everywhere um and it, it made for maybe the type of hunting that you're that you do a little bit more difficult but the the crazy thing is with the holdover bucks because of you know not harvesting that many bucks uh, and letting a bunch of deer grow um, the potential and the phenomenal genetics and, and some of the big bucks that you do have roaming around on your properties down there. Oh, for sure. And you nailed it right on the head as usual. Um, you know, last year was just a, a really weird year um, with all the water and kind of the rut was really spotty and pockety and different things going on. But going into last year, we had just more big shooter bucks on camera than i think i've ever had and i mean anticipation was at an all-time high going into the season and then we had the the moisture issues happen and different things to where we had to rely on glassing quite a bit more and even while we were glassing we were noticing how pockety the rut was and a lot of those big bucks had, had come in and looked like they were really active early in january and then kind of disappeared so it just does nothing but fuel the fire to get this year going i mean uh, i i anticipate having those holdover bucks but then also the bucks that came in to last year being maybe on the fence on if they were going to be a shooter or not now they're shooters so we should have that many more hit list bucks that i mean i i get chills just thinking about it right now yeah i mean some of the bucks that you have that you know you know, unless they got killed by a predator, you know, that, that made it through the season. I mean, there's some big non-typical bucks, some big typical bucks. And I mean, that's kind of what you get, though, when you're hunting in the desert. You, you're hunting uh, some of those ranches that are a little more roly-poly, a little flatter, a little thicker. 
um, it's a perfect breeding ground for big bucks to just grow up, right? For sure. Get that age class that they need to. And then also we have good genetics. I mean, like you say, we have the non-typicals that throw the extras and throw some trash. And then we have the big typicals as well. And you add, you know, you take the age and good genetics and you end up with the chance of monster deer. And that's what we've been able to do for the last four or five years is, is kind of watch those deer grow. And like you say, if they don't get killed by a predator and we don't kill them, that just means they're there for this year. And coming into last year, we had a really good moisture year. So the deer had to feed and everything to go do well with the antlers. Then we don't kill them we're you know running pretty good predator control programs on our ranches as well so the chance of them being back this year and even bigger um it, it's really good and, and gets a guy just like i said super excited to to get going um so much so that we're actually going to start running trips down again as far as setting cameras and working on waters and we've been adding drinkers um but we're going to do that throughout the summer where I think you and I were talking last year, and I said I wouldn't ever go back again that early, but it's uh, going to be definitely worth it. All it takes is a few months to go by. Phil gets Cooster on the brain, and he forgets that he said he wasn't going to go do it in the summer. The benefits of running cameras in the summer, Phil, would you agree that you're going to get some of those bucks? Yeah, you have bucks that move you know, from ranches to ranches, but you're going to get to see those bucks from you know just starting growing their antlers basically run them all summer long you're going to get to really i think learn and i'm curious your thoughts on this learn their patterns of certain bucks and where they summered and you know if they're just right there and they never move Um, but you'll be able to kind of get more of an inventory by running cameras a longer period of time oh for sure for sure and one of the reasons why um, we're actually going to run cameras in strategic areas. Now, I'm, we're not going to cover the ranches up like we normally do later in the year, but with the drinkers that we've been putting in, uh, we're actually putting enclosures around these drinkers. And, you know, let's face it, we're hunting on cattle ranches. That's their business. I mean, that's what they do is to grow cattle. And we've always had to kind of compete with pictures around water with the cattle and the deer. By us having these drinkers and enclosures put in, we can limit the amount of false pictures and having to weed through thousands and thousands of cattle pictures and focus just in on the game animals that are coming in to that drinker. And that gets me excited to exactly what you said is see these deer in their home range and growing from, you know, losing their antlers and putting on new growth and getting them patterned a lot better to actually how often they're coming to water. Are they actually truly moving just at night when they go to to the daylight hours? Um, The benefits are just, you know, tenfold over what they would be as if we're just putting cameras up on regular stock tanks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think let's talk a little bit about these drinkers the interesting thing with these drinkers that you guys are building is you guys have you know you have full control over where these drinkers go and so you're strategically placing drinkers having hunted these ranches for years you're strategically placing drinkers not only where you know that they need water and where but almost like kind of a spot where you want them to be in essence right you know, for sure, for sure. Um, having the history that we do with these ranches, we know 
the places that typically do not hold water year-round. Now, that's not saying there won't be permanent water somewhere in the pasture, but we want that water where the deer is going to be, and we want that water to be reliable and permanent so the deer doesn't have to move. That also gives us the opportunity to put those drinkers where we want the deer to be as well, and that makes it easier for us to hunt. Uh, Maybe it's a more strategic area where we know that the deer – and the does and everything will be come the rut time so those big bucks will be there um you know it gives us a lot of different options to kind of customize or hand pick these locations where it's might not make sense for the cattle to be there year round however we want the deer to be there year round or on the other side of that is to put them where typically they might dry up this time of year we're we're in the dry season right now in mexico in may and june and we won't want those deer to leave our ranch so instead of going to another ranch that might have water there year round we can now hold them on our ranches and uh the, the benefit's big and the other thing is you know we're controlling the water so that way we can guarantee it's always filled um you know we have floats we have storage tanks we've actually gone to the point of building water trailers so it makes it easier to move the water from one tank storage tank to another and uh, really kind of take it to a next level on this water game for us not only for our hunting side of things but also for the deer benefit so they don't have to move and and uh, you know get better health on the deer and and keep the deer on our home turf so to speak that also with get, having control over the drinkers you potentially have the option then as well if some of the dirt tanks have big deer on them if you need to shut a drinker off and close it down you have the the ability to do that with the way you've got them set up so if you've got a deer that's you know working good on a dirt tank and in a good spot um, you have the ability to then um, basically close off access for that particular buck or those does just trying to keep them positioned where you're going to have a better opportunity whether it be bow hunting or whether it be rifle hunting um, you're going to have an opportunity to have a, a you know a, a better chance at that buck if you will you bet and as we saw last year when we got all of the the weird winter moisture that's not normal that almost became to the point where the deer had too many options and like you say with us controlling the water and not having to rely on the needs for the cattle so much if we have that situation where a deer a shooter buck might be using two water sources one of our drinkers and a, and a represso or a dirt tank we have that option to just go shut our drinker off and force them into using that tank and then that does nothing but double our chances on getting him killed i mean like say whether with a bow or a rifle um whatever the setup might be it does nothing but then increase our chance of success and that's what we're there for we've talked before about bevendettos which are basically water troughs made for cattle and that's what they call them down in mexico your your drinkers are a little bit different in the fact that you've made them flush to the ground um, and I'll let, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you, you're, you're building a certain type of fence around so the deer can get in and out. You're building them flush to the ground. Talk a little bit about the success that you've had uh, on your drinkers that you put in last year and, and how rewarding it is you know, to kind of watch how having it flush to the ground, having a certain type of fence structure is in, in, in you know, what you witnessed last year in your anticipation with these new drinkers. Sure. 
as as anything it's a learning process and and you know the first couple ones we built the enclosures might be a little too small or what we've learned and and kind of where we're at now is if you can get the drinker the the store not the storage tank but the tank that the they actually drink out of if you can get that as natural and as flush to the ground as possible number one they feel more comfortable number two it allows more of the wildlife birds i mean javelina everything to come in and drink and then we're building these fences and we're just putting three wire fences around them uh, to make it easier for the game to get under but keep the cattle out we're building them big enough that they actually don't feel trapped or confined when they come in so they feel natural we're not clearing all of the brush away out of these enclosures i mean we're keeping some of the cactus in a tree here or there so it's natural to them they feel comfortable they're spending more time at the drinker Um, we're running a storage tank outside the enclosure burying a pipe to a float system and it basically gives the game, and I, like I said, not just deer, but javelina, birds. I mean, we've seen immediate success on these enclosures um, by, number one, putting them in the right area. Number two, putting the drinkers in a natural state that the deer and the game feel comfortable. And, I mean, they have been hitting them like clockwork, in and out, and as soon as we put them in and fill them up with water. So that right there tells me we're doing it right now. And with that success, by putting them in the places that we know the deer want to be anyway, it just makes it that much more successful. And I cannot wait to continue to get pictures because we put a couple of these drinkers in last year late in the season and not necessarily for high hopes of what we would get last year, but they immediately started hitting it. And with that, then it allowed us to kind of fine tune and hone exactly our system of doing it. So I think going into this year, we'll have 11 new drinkers installed just specifically for us, not for cattle or anything else. And um, that to me gives us the opportunity to pattern these big bucks, to hold these big bucks as well as the does and keep the does in the areas that they need to be. So when the rut kicks on, we don't have those wandering bucks that have to leave to find those and find water so it should be really good in your opinion how important is it to have water that animals can rely on meaning have you seen where they get to wandering because they come and it's dry and they start just traveling and wandering whereas it's so in my mind it seems so important to have where they come every time there's water and it never is dry and they can rely on that water it's huge jay it's huge we've we've seen it before um and we are firm believers that if they come in one time and that water is not there it can take up to a month before they might come back to even check it and they might not move far but they have to be able to depend on that water they don't want to exert the energy to go looking for water just to go to a spot that they can't depend on and we've seen it as the repressos have dried up during the drier months And some of those deer will leave, and if they get to a spot where they like, I mean, they have good feed and they can depend on that water time in and time again, they won't come back to your spot a lot of times. So what we're trying to do is avoid that. We want it to happen to where they can come in and rely on that water time and time and time again. And we've been working with our cowboys to understand that and to make sure that if we're not there, they're keeping an eye on those drinkers and they're keeping those drinkers full. 
because it is huge to those deer to be able to depend on that water source. And that's one of the things too with buying your own water truck you now have the ability to haul water and and when there is a need you have the ability to fill it exactly and by doing that as we saw two or three years ago when it was so dry we lost a lot of our deer to to predators because the predators just camped out on the water source well with us being able to disperse that now and not just have to have the water there for the cattle we can disperse it and spread that out so we should see a lot lower predation rate if we get into those situations again let's talk a little bit about the style of hunting and how you like to set up um, your blinds and your different um, you know strategies for setup as well as glassing uh, with the way that your ranch is um, set up you bet um, you know, typically we'll go down, uh, make a, a good long camera run in November, and then we'll make another trip in December. And usually by December, we have a pretty good idea of where those shooter bucks are calling home and where they're starting to pattern and, and get an idea. So at that point, then we start coming up with a game plan and even setting up our blinds. Now, for whatever reason in the past, I haven't ever really thought about it, but this year i've actually invested in some tripod blinds or stands if you will to get us up above the tree line off the desert floor to where we have the ability to not only glass but also the ability to be within rifle range of say multiple water sources or different areas where we know the deer are frequenting now that's going to be a new option this year that we haven't tried i see no reason why it shouldn't be really successful um, but the other thing that we do is you know we have a lot of these situations where we know not only what drinker or what tank a deer is using what part of that tank is and we have the ability then to place that blind to give us the best shot whether it be with a bow or with a rifle to actually you know kill that buck because we have the trail camera pictures from it so most of our tanks our setups on our blinds um, are fairly close pretty pretty you know personal with the deer and then on the bigger tanks we have the ability to, to get back a little bit where the deer aren't near as um, I don't want to say threatened but that you don't have to be quite as careful with the blind setup as you do on some of the smaller close-in tanks most of the time our blinds are set up early enough that we don't even really have to get crazy about brushing them in the deer become used to them I mean I, I was on a, a tank last year that dried up quite a bit to the point where I was even hauling water into it and I mean, I had deer within 10, 12 feet of my blind multiple times and never even paid attention to it. They just were used to it and they knew it was there. Um, typically, we, we pay, play the prevailing wind and set the blind up accordingly. However, the good benefit that we have with these ground blinds is we can control our scent and we get in and keep the back of it closed up and um, you know my one hunting partner runs ozonics i run a lot of skunk oil on the outside to keep the the wind down as well and we've been really successful by doing that um, you know anywhere from eight yards to 200 yards depending on which tank or which setup we're on but you guys with have the, truly taken like midwest whitetail and eastern whitetail hunting tactics like this you've you've basically been employing those on coos deer um 
you know, going full ninja style, like really getting into a lot of the same tactics that our brothers, you know, use in the Midwest, right? Oh, for sure. And this year we're going to throw a, a Western style onto that by using their typical tripod stand that you wouldn't see out west that you would see back east but we're going to set it up where we can actually cover not just a water source but also cover area glassing and uh i'm, I'm really excited for it like i'm i'm looking forward to get up and you know climb those that ladder and get up in that stand and see what a guy can see and just the deer sighting alone is going to be uh a really you know an ad advantage compared to just being on the ground in a ground blind because as we've talked before even though we have areas of our ranch that we can do traditional western style spot and stock glassing and and coos deer hunting our biggest success is being able to sit blinds and sit water and uh, catch those deer coming in and out of water so if we take the best of the both of those and combine them by this tripod stand i think it's uh, going to be pretty exciting and you know sitting blinds day in and day out is not for everybody so by having the combination of both and then having some country that a guy can glass and move around on um you know it gives us the best of both worlds and, and uh, kind of makes it really enjoyable because you don't have to be locked into one method or the other now that being said we have proven that if you're hunting one specific buck and you have that buck in mind, you setting up that ground blind and doing everything you can to stay in that ground blind. And if you do it long enough, you're going to kill that buck. And, and we've proven that time and time again. So, Let's talk about um, some of the bucks that you guys have killed and some of the bucks that have um, been on camera and, you know, if, if you will, for lack of a better term, haunted you. Um, we're talking about some very, very large, you know, 120 class caliber, bigger bucks, um, you know, big desert bucks, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, one that comes to my mind right off the top of my head is a couple years ago, um, had one buck we called big Tex. It was, he was a regular. I mean, he came in and out of this tank like clockwork every couple days he was there. For whatever reason at the time, I was just wrapped up with drop tines, and I chose not to hunt it. So my hunting partner, Tim, said, hey, I'll go set that blind. And I knew he was a big buck, but when Tim killed that buck and I put my hands on him, he was like a 124-inch deer. I mean, just a phenomenal pig of a coos deer. And I was just like, wow, that was awesome. Um, you know, another buck comes to mind two years ago. Um, we had a, a gentleman, a hunter down here and he went to this tank that we had multiple bucks show up on and he was able to kill a buck i think on the third day and 123 inch deer he had like 13 inches of squirrel pines before you ever got to his g1s um <laughs> just incredible you know and and these are deer that we get on camera now on the flip side of that i hunted a buck for two years um he was fairly regular and then just disappeared and he had was all that kinds beautiful? of trash okay that was the yeah. typical buck yeah yeah big non-typical we called him big deuce because technically he's a mainframe two point and then he threw a drop tine and then he threw another drop tine and he's got an extra coming off his g2 and and that buck's been haunting me um i'm excited to see if he shows back up this year because we've had that you know where they disappear for a year and then the next year they show back up but 
on you know the other side of the coin we've got some big typicals tim uh my partner down there he killed a big typical a couple years ago that we didn't have a picture on until we got down there in january and then all of a sudden this buck showing up and he's showing up every three or four days and tim went and set up on him and sure enough i think on the third or fourth day in walks this giant typical and jim put uh, tim puts him down you know it's it's exciting it, i really enjoy the camera aspect of it that we do um now we're getting into the drinker aspect as well and we're even looking at you know getting into some minerals for these deer when they're growing their antlers when they're in the hot part of the season um that their body needs some more nutrients to try and help them for body health and i'm excited what our results can be um these these bucks that we haven't killed are still there i'm i'm excited for what they'll be this year but not only that it's been fun watching kind of how we've evolved our our hunting system and our setups and what we're using to to basically harvest these big mature coos deer um it's been fun growing it's been fun learning and i'm sure we'll go down there this year and learn a bunch more too and uh that's what it's all about right and and that's what we look forward to and that's like i said i'm sitting here talking about it with you and i'm getting chills just thinking about it all fired up yeah um let's talk about some of the things that you've witnessed as far as i mean you're hearing deer grunting and bucks chasing does sometimes you're hearing them before they show up um talk about some of the chaos some of the buck fights some of the you know bucks chasing the does right in front of you right in front of your blinds that kind of stuff it's it's been crazy last year for example i was sitting a blind um i literally started hearing deer grunting and not just one buck i mean it you could tell it was coming from two or three different directions so i'm sitting in the blind just thinking oh man anything's going to show up right the next thing i do is i hear bucks fighting i just hear antlers crashing i mean and you can tell it's violent it's not just a tickling of the tines i mean these deer are going at it five minutes later in runs this a really nice mature big heavy typical three by three coos deer that's missing a g2 you can tell he just came straight off a fight he runs right into the tank just like a bull elk is you know during the rut he comes in belly deep lays down cools off jumps up runs off again and immediately you start hearing grunting again and it was one of the coolest experiences for me i mean and i i never even put my hand on the gun just to witness that and witness those deer just full on in rut mode going crazy and it just an absolute blast um another time you know that i can think of sitting there glassing and you could tell one doe had come into heat and it was like a magnet you could see bucks running over the top of ridges you know three quarters of a mile away until pretty soon you have eight or nine bucks fighting and chousing and going after this one doe i mean to the point where you almost felt bad it's like gosh dang let her let her rest a little while yeah Yeah. and uh you know when you get to witness that and and witness it up close i mean those bucks that were fighting at times were as close as 30 yards you know and then when i'm sitting the blind and i've had that buck run in and you could hear him grunting right behind you you're talking 12 to 13 yards at times it's just a it's a really really neat experience and fun um and it makes those long hours sitting in the blind all that much more worthwhile when that type of activity goes on 
Oh, 100%. we haven't. You know, we haven't gone into the point of actually rattling and, and calling ourselves, but it's another one of those tactics that I kind of want to steal from, you know, our Eastern brothers and and try it and see what happens. Because I think, given the right situation and the time, I think it'd be phenomenal. I think you'd have deer running over you almost. That's exciting. You're getting me excited just, uh, just talking about it. Uh, Phil, it's always great having you on the podcast. Um, for anybody out there listening, I understand you have a tag or two available maybe for this year because of the COVID-19 stuff. If anybody's out there uh, interested in a, in a cooster hunt, uh, give give uh, get a hold of Phil. I'll link it up in the show notes. Is that right, Phil? Yeah, it is, Jay. Um, you know, last year, given the fact that we had a lot of holdover bucks and we're kind of getting a little more serious about our predator control and the water issues are taken care of now, we decided to expand and we were hunting a ranch that we were only buying one or two tags from i went ahead and committed to all of the tags on that ranch um i wanted it exclusively i didn't really want any other competition so we going into this year have more tags than we've ever had committed for and uh that being said we didn't know the economy and the covid stuff was going to happen so yeah i do have a little bit of availability and uh you know it's it's something that doesn't happen very often but this year it's just the way a dice roll so that is correct awesome man well um i'm excited i always love following on instagram and just seeing all the bucks and the trail cam pics and um you know getting to talk to you about the strategy of how you guys are hunting them and then you know over the years seeing some of the you know giants that you guys have put down it's um, a neat opportunity and, and pretty cool for sure. It's always great having you on the podcast. Um, congratulations again on your Royal Slam and congratulations on shooting, you know, your second Goulds first in Arizona there, that monster bird that, you know, might be the state record and um, just a, f- a phenomenal accomplishment. And I know as a, much of a turkey nut as you are, it was um, a great way to, um, you know, kill that Arizona Goulds for sure and have it be a triple bearded you know bomber bird so that's pretty sweet yeah thank thanks a lot jay you know given the challenges we had coming into the season um we didn't even know if we were going to get to hunt and travel and that sort of thing so i feel really blessed that the way it worked out and um really excited for this coming coos deer season um you know we're trying a lot of things we haven't done in the past and i think it's going to pay huge Guys, I want to apologize. We had a little bit of an audio uh, technical issue there with Phil right there at the end of the podcast, and uh, I lost him. Uh, but I want to encourage you guys uh, to follow Kramer uh, Hunts on Instagram. And also, if you guys are looking for a hunt and it sounded interesting to you, the hunt that Phil de- was describing for big coos deer uh, down in the deserts of Mexico, you can reach out to him uh, on his Instagram account. I'll also link up. Uh, his contact uh, on the show notes of this podcast. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you got any questions or comments of me, you can always send me an email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Until the ne- next episode, guys, God bless.